Welcome to episode 15 of What Kind of Country? I'm Victoria Meakin, and I'm moving with my family to the beautiful country of New Zealand. It's 2021, and the world is still in the grip of the coronavirus pandemic. So myself, my husband, and our two young children are governed by New Zealand's very strict managed isolation rules, meaning we'll be spending two weeks in a government-mandated hotel. And I'm delighted to say that I'll be dedicating part of that time to speaking remotely to some very generous Kiwis who've given up their time to help me answer the question, in 2021, what kind of country are we moving to? In this penultimate episode, I speak to my final remote guest while seeing out my time in MIQ. It's the day before we are finally released from managed isolation here in Christchurch. We've had our temperature taken more than a dozen times. We've received countless welfare calls, catering calls and other check-ins from the brilliant MIQ and hotel staff. And let's be honest, we've watched an awful lot of TV. And this is the penultimate episode of What Kind of Country? Just a final one to go when my producer Bridget and I bookend this project by meeting up in person. Due to COVID restrictions, this might not happen in the next few days, but Bridget has promised me a coffee or maybe a wine, so we're determined to do it. I'm really delighted to be ending this series of interviews by speaking to a hugely impressive New Zealander who runs one of the country's most renowned public spaces. This is interview number 14, representing my 14 days in MIQ. Sitting on the waterfront in New Zealand's capital city, Wellington, the country's National Museum, Te Papa, the Māori Fort Treasure Chest, receives more than a million visitors each year. It's a huge space, 36,000 square metres set out over six floors, dedicated to Aotearoa's culture, history and environment. At its helm is my guest today, Courtney Johnston. Courtney took on the role of Tapapa's chief executive in 2019, shortly before New Zealand went into its first lockdown due to coronavirus. Prior to Tapapa, Courtney held positions at various galleries and cultural institutions and has regularly broadcasted about the arts world on Radio New Zealand. Tapapa successfully reopened in May last year, but is currently observing the lockdown affecting the entire country and is in the meantime encouraging online visitors to enjoy its collections, research and stories via its website and social media. Hi Courtney. Kia ora. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. Before we turn to your role heading up the country's National Museum, I'm going to start, as I always do with this podcast, by asking you three general questions about New Zealand that I'm putting to all interviewees. So firstly, could I ask you, what is your favourite New Zealand beach? Oh, that one's easy. So I grew up in Taranaki, just underneath the mountain, and very close, uh, 20 minutes on either side to, to beaches, and my favourite beach is Oakura. Uh, which is a classic uh, West Coast black sand, slightly rough beach, but I love it. That's my home beach. Oh, that sounds wonderful. The black sand, I've not experienced that yet in New Zealand, so uh, I'll definitely put that on my list. Where in New Zealand, secondly, would you recommend I take my young family camping? Oh, look, Victoria, I have to be really honest with you. I hate camping. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe in downgrading my lifestyle. So I'm going to say That's I hope great. some other people gave you a great answer to this question because I have nothing for you. 
I have got quite a long list, so that is absolutely fine. (laughs) And question number three, can you name one thing that you think every visitor to New Zealand should experience? I think it's, this is a funny thing to say, but I think it's our accent, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. that's something that I love when I go um, to other countries, as distant as that idea feels but the way that the there is no one New Zealand accent it varies all over the country and I think just paying attention to that you know we we're not known for having a particularly uh, sultry accent or you know one that pops up in um, cartoons much but um, I think it's one of one of the joys of New Zealand is the variety of accents around the country and how, you know, we used to have only 50 or 60 years ago, all of our media was dominated by that quite cut glass British enunciation. And now we're, we've relaxed more into our own sound. So I hope visitors notice and appreciate that. Brilliant. Thank you for that really evocative description. Moving on now to your work at Te Papa. Sorry, a big question to start. Te Papa is, of course, a well-known museum worldwide. But for people not familiar with it or who haven't had the chance to visit, could you describe the museum and what it stands for? Sure. So I think to start with conceptually, it's important for um, people maybe who have never been here or even for people who have become used to Papa to know that it was created as a deliberate act of disruption. Um, Te Papa, as it is today, our National Museum, opened in 1998 and it's the fruit of the outcome of um, something that's still happening but it came out of massive social change in the 70s, 80s and 90s and the feeling that our National Museum had to stand for something different to what it had stood for in the past. So Te Papa was created by closing down two separate institutions, the National Museum and the National Art Gallery, which were separate institutions, although they lived in the same building, which was about it's about 10 minutes walk up the road in a straight line, and it was one of those um, traditional kind of Greek temples on a hill. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, an institution that privileged a particular way of looking at the world, which is the kind of Western European way of knowing and understanding things. Uh, an institution that had studied Māori as a subject rather than centred Māori as a people. It was all those kind of old-fashioned, dusty, fusty things that people um, who don't go to museums enough stereotype us as. And Te Papa came out of that that era of social change in New Zealand, uh, homosexual law reform, pay equity for women, uh, the establishment of Te Reo Māori as an official language, the establishment of the Waitangi Tribunal to address historical and contemporary grievances, and also out of a a massive um, event in the 1980s in our museum world, which was the Te Māori exhibition. an exhibition of Māori taonga, um, artworks and treasures that travelled around America, but it was the first time that Māori had been given the opportunity to present themselves and their work to the world on their own terms with tikanga or cultural protocols, with their own people, with their own language. 
And all of these things combined to say New Zealand wanted to make a different statement about itself. So these two traditional institutions were shut down. Uh, they were folded into one. So one of the things that's unusual about Te Papa is that we traverse visual arts, natural history or science, Mataranga Māori, which is our Māori Taonga collections, but also ways of knowing from an Indigenous perspective, mm -hmm. New Zealand and Pacific um, histories and cultures. So we bring all of those disciplines together into one museum, and then in 1998 we brought them all into one building, which as you said sits on our waterfront. It is a you know, it is, it is, with all honesty, it's a bit of a postmodern extravaganza, that building. Mm -hmm. it's, it's conceptually driven, the building, as you, it has this idea that as you move through it from the ground floor, you're part of nature. And that's where the natural history exhibitions are. And then as you move up through the building, you emerge into culture. It's also constructed so that the frontage, the north-facing frontage, which goes out into the harbour, is designed around patterns of Māori migration and the front of the building kind of slopes steeply down towards the harbour and it's the idea of where a walker would have been pulled up out of the sea onto the shore. And then the south side of the building, which faces into the city, is premised on the European grid that was placed over the land um, to tame and settle and civilise it um, and all those words that we dispute today. Te Papa is, it's a big weighty building, it's um, something you, you might not notice until it's pointed out to you is there's barely any rectangles or squares, uh, mm -hmm. all the galleries are spaces to wander through and that's because the architects at the time were thinking a lot not about traditional museums but about how shopping malls work and how um, oh, right. bazaars work. It was during this whole time of rethinking how our cultural spaces might work. So they became much more about being able to see other people seeing things rather than boxes to display things in. Um, mm -hmm. So Te Papa's, it is the result of so much thinking that was really about trying to create a cultural shift. And yes, that is my story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Wow, that was a, an all-encompassing, amazing description. I wonder what elements do you think simply have to be included when it comes to telling New Zealand's story in 2021? The same elements, I think, that we were we were built on. So out the front of Te Papa, as you enter it, you walk past these three boulders um, that were gifted to us by Te Atiawa, who are the local mana whenua, the local iwi. And one boulder stands for tangata whenua, or Māori people, the indigenous people who hold that long and continuous history in this place. One boulder stands for tangata tiriti, and that's people like me, Pākehā people, people who have a place to belong in New Zealand by virtue of the Treaty of Waitangi. And then the third boulder stands for Papatuanuku, or the natural environment, this land that we stand on, that we care for, and that gifts us with our identity as people here. And so um, that's actually what I come back to all the time, that triumvirate, I guess, of tangata whenua, tangata tiriti, and papatuanuku, mm -hmm. of people coming together in this place, understanding each other, understanding our history together, creating a future together, and doing it all within this environment 
that we affect and um, we are dependent on and we have a duty of care for. So those three things kind of underpin everything that we do at Papa and we try to use them to underpin everything that we present as well. Of the exhibitions that are currently running at Te Papa, could you pick out a highlight for me? Oh, oh, that's an interesting one. Um, <laughs> I do, oh goodness. So we have um, very, very long-term, um, almost permanent exhibitions, which are the ones that people visit over and over and over again and become very attached to. And then we have a temporary exhibition programme, which is mostly art-focused. So maybe I'll share with you one very small um, exhibition that we've got on at the moment. It's effectively just one very large display case and it's going to be up for about a year. And it's an exhibition that's um, based on research done by one of our curators who specialises in textiles and fashion history, Claire Reno. And the exhibition is about the feather trade in New Zealand and internationally, uh, sort of over that colonial period, sort of 1860s through to about 1910. And so there's this display case that's um, full of these mannequins and they're wearing the most amazing feathered outfits, capes, hats, fans, little collars, and particularly muffs, which are those um, like... Muffs grew out of cuffs, I have discovered. It's kind of like <laughs> the, cuffs, the cuffs on your coat uh, got bigger and bigger and bigger and then they merged into this roll that you put your hands in to keep them warm. And one of the items in the display comes from Otago Museum, actually. We've borrowed it from them. And it's a muff that's made out of a king emperor penguin skin. And it is simultaneously just the most beautiful object and just the most horrifying thing, you know, mm -hmm. um, all at once. And that for me is why, you know, how, how an item from a museum collection that's one of, you know, hundreds of thousands of things that Otago Museum holds, if not millions of things, but you take that one object and you use it to talk about fashion, about the way culture moves around the globe um, about the way that humans affect the animal world and the natural environment, about what we thought was a good idea a hundred years ago and what we think is a good idea now, how we perceive people in the past, how we ourselves might be perceived when we are someone else's past. I think that the items, everything in that case is presented quite simply, but when you start asking these questions, they, um, they do speak volumes to you. I wonder, Courtney, talking of the past, do you recall your first ever visit to Te Papa? Oh, no, I don't. I don't, actually. How interesting. So I moved to, I moved to Wellington as a university student in 2000. Mm -hmm. And one of my very, very first jobs here actually was working as a visitor host at Te Papa. So while I don't remember my first visit to Te Papa, the museum, I very distinctly remember the job application process to become a host at Te Papa, which was one of the toughest job applications I've ever been through. And it involved, you know, I was kind of 19, 20. It involved excruciating role play challenges and it was, it was taken so seriously that there was this gift of a new museum that wanted to do things differently. 
and and how big a part of that you felt as a visitor host welcoming people into this museum and I grew up in a family that didn't go to museums or galleries we didn't mm-hmm. do those things on our holidays we didn't visit them in other in other places my mum took us to the library every Friday night but that was that was kind of how that was our thing so yeah well I don't remember my first visit to Papa I yeah and I distinctly remember my first days working there and all of those things so it's it's been part of my life now for whew, 21 22 years that's a pretty wonderful story arc for you isn't it from visitor host to I ceo know, I, I know it's almost too tidy sometimes <laughs> Um, I wonder what, another of these big general questions, apologies, what ambitions do you have for the museum? I'm in a, um, I always struggle with this question, you know, and I struggle with this question in job interviews as mm-hmm. well, which is that kind of, you know, what's your vision? Because I find it sometimes a bit presumptuous. My attitude with, with the cultural institutions that I've um, been part of or, or that I've you know been lucky enough to be given leadership roles in is that I hold something precious on behalf of other people. And like everyone, you know, I want to leave things in a better place than when I found them. But I'm, I'm always a little bit reluctant to say, you know, to, to kind of point majestically in a direction and mm-hmm. say we're going there because I think Te Papa was built with such an amazing vision for yes. social healing for expressing and investigating in, in individuals and communities own words what they have experienced and achieved what the hurt that they've suffered in the past the hopes that they have for the future I always think that Te Papa has this incredibly special wairua or spirit and my job is to help that spirit flourish and to to give all of New Zealand a sense of a, a having a place to stand and to speak their truth and to see themselves reflected to them in a way that they understand and want to share with others. So I, um, yeah, I don't, it's not the point that I see myself as a facilitator because I think I have to be braver than that. But yeah. um, I don't see myself as a person. I, I, you know, I know museum directors. I've seen museum directors who do have that very individual vision, whereas I think mine is more of a collective one. Yeah, I, and I do, and I think I'm, I'm so in love with the idea of Te Papa and such a believer mm. in it that, in a funny kind of way, my my vision seems almost sort of irrelevant because I feel like I am part part of a community and, and my role in that community is often to speak for it. But in doing that, you're, you're shaping up the community's belief for sharing rather than speaking from your own individual standpoint. As someone who's also worked in the broadcast media speaking more generally about the arts. I wonder these days, how often do you get out to other museums and galleries? Um, quite a lot because I'm married to another museum director. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> so I spend quite a lot of time at Pataka in Porirua, which is my husband's museum. Um, you know, it's still, um, 
I, I've moved in and out of museums in my career, so I've also worked um, in libraries and in um, digital companies, actually. So museums, galleries, libraries, and digital. And, and I've always stayed involved um, in the arts. And so I'm lucky I live in the centre of Wellington. It means that in the weekend, it's very easy for me to go around the dealer galleries. I travel in order to see particular shows in other places. Um, a big part of my social life is just built around art in particular. So mm-hmm. it, it's just sort of, if I wasn't doing it for a job, I would be doing it as part of my normal life anyway. And that's sort of the way I've either been lucky enough to be working in the sector and getting to play in it as well, or I've been working outside of the sector and being able to volunteer back in in different kinds of ways. So um, I can't kind of imagine my life without it. Courtney, thanks so much for painting that picture of uh, Te Papa. I know we've only just scratched the surface. Uh, the phrase you used, created as a deliberate act of disruption, will stay with me. I like I like that one. That's very cool. I'm going to ask you a final question, which is uh, moving back to one of those general questions I've been asking all my interviewees. I wonder, what one piece of advice would you give to a newcomer to New Zealand who has just arrived and is planning to make a life here? Join your local library. Yeah. There you go. Very straightforward. Absolutely. (laughs) New Zealand's got an amazing, amazing national library service. And there are some, throughout New Zealand, there are some amazing community libraries. They're the most vibrant spaces. And they're free and they're warm and they're safe and they're exploratory places. Yeah, join your local library. Excellent. I'll do that. That's fantastic. Thank you. Um, (laughs) And really achievable. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Courtney, thank you so much for your time. It's been great to speak to you today. You're really welcome. Thank you, Victoria. My thanks to Courtney Johnston for speaking to me today. You can find Tapapa online by going to tapapa, T-E-P-A-P-A dot G-O-V-T dot N-Z. What Kind of Country was written, presented and edited by me, Victoria Meakin. My producer in Christchurch is Bridget DeGoldy and our original music was written and performed in New Zealand by Corey Borzicker. What Kind of Country is a broaden-up production. Mm-hmm.